Hello, you're listening to Beyond the Pursuit podcast by PA Boys Outdoors, and I'm your host, Skylar Maturak. Since this is our first episode, I figured what better way to kick things off than to have the creator of PA Boys Outdoors come on and just chat with me about how it originated, and we just kind of talk a little bit about his background and swap some hunting stories. Stay tuned. guys it's Skyler and I'm joined here with uh, PA boys front man Hunter Scott what's going on Skyler how are you good how about you oh I'm doing great thank you yeah nice nice weather we got going on here in the middle of winter um, so Hunter talk a little bit about yourself yeah so I mean I'm Hunter Scott I uh, I'm the creator owner of PA boys outdoors um, just a little bit of background me I'm 24 I'm from Butler County born and raised uh, just getting a little personal on the personal side here, but I uh, went to Slippery Rock University. I uh, graduated with a bachelor's degree in safety management, and I'm a, I'm a safety guy, so I'm your favorite on the job site. So, Hunter, why don't you tell people what is PA Boys Outdoors? PA Boys Outdoors, what? We've been together. We started this in 2016 originally. Uh, kind of get into the story here of how we got the name. So, my family, my father, my uncle, my grandfather, myself, we've been uh, hunting out of state in Iowa for 20 years now was when dad started. I believe it was in 2000. And uh, we've met some great people out there over time and uh, we're, we're labeled as the PA boys. So when uh, when we get into town, people are like, oh, are you the PA boys coming into town? And uh, the name gets just kind of stuck over time. And it, it's, it means a lot to me. Uh, just knowing, you know, we get looked at like that and we take pride in being labeled as the PA boys um, just through making such great relationships and honestly having a second family out there. Um, it's it's pretty cool. Sweet, sweet. I actually didn't know how the name originated. I'm one of the staff. I didn't know where that came from. So I guess I've been enlightened here too. Yep. And it's funny. So we, uh, this past year, my father and uncle drew non-resident tags. So they went out there and hunted in November. Uh, I was able to go out in the spring. We went out on a shed hunting trip to check tree stands. And I remember walking into the family friend's house that we stay at. Shout out to Sean and Sheila. Uh, when you look at their calendar, <laughs> you look in on the weekend dates that we were coming in. You, it was marked out PA boys are coming into town. So that uh, it just it goes to show that it sticks and it, it resembles who we are. And it, it just, it's awesome. So what's, what's the goal with PA boys then? So... Kind of going back here, we'll start with this, this all started out in like 2016. Myself, a couple other buddies in high school were like, thought it'd be a cool idea to try to get an outdoors page together just in our friend group to be able to share posts of, you know, oh, so-and-so shot a nice buck. You know, everybody's like, oh, let's see pictures of it. Well, why not just have everybody follow a page on social media where you're able to just see what everybody's harvesting or, or catching, for example. So that's kind of how it took off. And it never really became much, uh, kind of just over time throughout high school, it kind of dropped off. So fast forward uh, to 2019, it was my final semester at, at college, and 
I kind of looked at it as, you know, I have a lot of time now to be able to spend in the outdoors, kind of coasting senior year. I already had that job lined up for whenever I graduated there in December. I'm like, now's the time more than ever before, you know, you have to grow up and go into the big boy world and get that full-time job where it's going to consume a lot of your time and your in your life, you know, where you're kicking off your career. I thought now's the time if I ever wanted to do something like this, now's the time to take advantage of it while I'm, I have that free time. And uh, we just started off. I, I, I kept relationships with those friends through high school and uh, we decided we were going to try to kick it off again. So, we uh, just started posting some friends' pictures of, of deer that were getting shot that fall, um, bear, turkey, whatever it was that was getting shot there once the fall season started. And uh, it, it really began to pick up steam. Now, whenever this all started, I mean, there was maybe 800 to 1,000 followers that were left from when we did it back in, like, the high school days. So there was a little bit already, but, I mean, it was, like, in the matter of two weeks there in archery season, it blew up where we gained, like, 1,500 followers. We were going from getting, like, 70 likes on an Instagram picture to where we were getting like three, 400. And we were like, holy cow, you know, we might have something going on here. You know, we weren't, it was totally unexpected. And I mean, even up to today, I never, I never envisioned this growing the way that it has. So we decided that fall, you know, we got to get some help and get some staff guys in is what we, what we called it, what we considered it. You know, we needed a little bit of extra firepower to create content. And uh, we started adding guys from, Western Pennsylvania, Butler County specifically, where I came from, we added on some guys. Um, added on some guys from the other side of Pennsylvania there to help just provide content, uh, help share what we had going on with the page. We started trying to do giveaways, and uh, it, it just it really began to take off. And the relationships that started getting or being made with with different people and different pages, it all just kind of started snowballing, and it's kind of just continued to snowball into what we have now. And I mean, now we're pushing 20,000 followers across all of our social media pages. And like I said, you know, I, I never expected it to, to become what it is by any means. But I mean, basically what our focus is, is that, you know, we, we're trying to help teach fellow outdoorsmen through our failures and our trial and errors um, and the lessons that we've learned how and sharing that knowledge to help those become successful whether it's a young kid who's just starting out or uh, you know now we're kind of focus, focusing in on females within hunting you know that's something that's so often overlooked where we're trying to collaborate and get females more involved and I mean even even within our group with our staff where me personally like I personally never was into waterfowl hunting and with being able to meet guys within the staff that we have and them getting me interested enough to go try, uh, it's kind of that snowballed in itself to where I've just created such awesome relationships and I've made such great friendships with people who I had no clue who they were before all of this started. And it's 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 just been great. Like it's it's like we have our own mini family. Uh, I, I learn something new all the time. You know, when you have a staff of 20 guys now and they're sharing what they're doing how they're hanging tree stands how they might be setting up spreads in a field for waterfowl hunting or how they're working on their trap line or heck how they're bass fishing on a lake or you know what i mean it's just it's it's I, I learn something new all the time and that's the goal with what we're trying to do is hopefully somebody somewhere is learning and taking something away from what we're doing and if that's and that's that's the goal and if that's what people are in fact doing then that that makes me satisfied where we're doing what i want us to do
So it uh it, it's been great. You know we we've had many opportunities that we've been able to take advantage of, and I foresee a lot more of awesome opportunities coming in the future. Uh, just kind of going through some of these just within PA boys. Uh, in 2021, we were invited to go out to B&D Outfitters. Um, that was a relationship that was set where, you know, we were asked to help provide content while we were out there, and uh, we were offered to go out there and hunt on, on their dime. We were responsible for, obviously, tipping the guides, tipping the cooks, and uh, our hunting license and travel. But to be able to say that you were able to go to an outfitter on their dime with what we have, that to me was one of the biggest accomplishments that I could have ever dreamed of for PA Boys Outdoors. Another one would be uh, getting the opportunity to go to an outdoor show and being a part of it specifically. Uh, I always kind of looked at it and I looked up to those type of groups that would go to the Great American Outdoor Show there in Harrisburg and when, when they come in February. And it's like, you know, I would absolutely love to be able to be a part of something one day where I'm able to hold a booth and be able to interact with people where I'm a part of something. And we had that opportunity to be able to do that at the Central PA Outdoor Show there in Clearfield last year. Um, we were able to participate in seminars. We had our own booth. We were interacting with people, selling our merch even in apparel. It was just, it was such an awesome experience. And and for me personally, that was that was definitely a goal that or that was a goal on the goal list there that we were able to accomplish. So in such little time where it's picked up since 2019 to what we're in the beginning of 2023 now, we've been able to knock a lot of the stuff that I had on my bucket list off. But with that being said, more stuff has been added on to the bucket list where, you know, when, when you're trying to grow like this and and you're seeing the results, it just makes you all the more hungry and all the more motivated to just continue to take everything to the next level. And that's kind of my mindset and that's that's the staff's mindset, you know, what can we do to get to the next level? And one of the things that we decided to do to get to the next level is dip into this type of podcast. Um, and, and thank you, Skylar, for kind of taking the spearhead and the charge on that. Um, I think that there's awesome opportunities for us to be able to uh, interact with other pages, other people, other groups, and uh, not just grow ourselves with that, but help others grow as well. And then on top of that, we talk about wanting to share experiences and and our knowledge. And I mean, being able to tap into, you know, there's professionals that have reached out to us who, you know, have a very strong pedigree that uh, I, I cannot wait to see what we can do with these podcasts to be able to tap into their knowledge and learn. Yeah, yeah, agreed. That'd be that'd be awesome. I'm hoping that this really takes off here because this is this is the first one so that'd be huge that's a benchmark in itself honestly so i mean you talk about knowledge and experiences so do you own out of state a lot do what all do you do so i when we talk out of state um something that i i finally graduated college my parents were able to through high school i wasn't allowed to take off days of school to go hunt and I always dreamed of going out and hunting Midwest whitetail in Iowa like my family did. And I was finally able to take advantage of that opportunity, graduated from school, finally had the vacation to be able to do it. I had enough points to be able to draw a tag. Um, for those that do not know, in order to be or to draw a non-resident tag in Iowa, they have the, the lottery system with preference points. So every year that every so every year that you submit a preference point, you get one point towards you being able to draw. Right now in Iowa, to be able to archery hunt out there, you're looking that you're going to have to have between three and four points to be able to draw in Iowa for an archery tag. So over time, Dad helping me through high school when I was a kid, he helped me pick up those preference points to where I was able, as soon as I was able to get the vacation to be able to go, I knew I was going to be able to draw. 
So I drew in twenty in twenty twenty, and uh, that was my first trip hunting to Iowa. Um, I went out before in spring on spring trips, you know, uh, spending time with our family friends out there, shed hunting, helping check tree stands. Uh, it's it's tough, and I mean the reasons that we focus in on the spring so much is because when you're going out for that week in the fall to hunt during rut, you're not your focus can't be on moving and setting tree stands. They already need to be in place or you're going to spend how many days, let alone trying to scout and get stands in the right place when you should be in the woods hunting. So taking advantage of those spring trips, getting familiar with with that ground for me to be able to navigate personally, just because I hadn't archery hunted out there or hunted in general out there yet, that was beneficial. So Drew in 2020, um, and (laughs) I'll, I'll give a crazy story here. So got out there. I was living in North Carolina at the time. After I graduated school in 2019, I moved to North Carolina. And we'll talk about that kind of out-of-state experience in a little bit here. So I drew, I drew for Iowa there, um, hunted a whole week. Uh, seeing all right, Bach, it was tough. The temperatures were super warm at the beginning of the week. The deer movement was just super slow. And towards that end of the week, there was, there was a huge cold front coming. And you could tell that it was getting into the deer. They began to move. And things were getting awesome. So it was the last Saturday. So I was flying out on Sunday for the end of the week. Saturday morning, we were seeing a buck. We had videos of him throughout that week. Uh, while I was hunting, Dad and my uncle were out scouting, and I, gave, I lent them my camera. They were taking videos of boxing fields. So we had this farm that there was this real nice eight point on, and I have the footage. I can post it. Me personally, he was 140 inch buck, which you know you're getting late into the week. That that's a darn good buck, and uh, he was super unique because I don't know if he was hit by a car. I don't know if he was shot previously. But he had a limp to him, so you you knew that that was that buck. So I was hunting that morning. He he uh, chased a doe up this ditch line that I was hunting along, and uh, he went in and bedded down. And I I just I didn't have the opportunity to draw. He was in bow range, and I'm like, oh my gosh, just please, you know, can the stars just align for me here? You know, you grind the whole week. And for those that don't realize, when you go out of state like this, and Skylar, you hunted out of state before. From the second you pull out of your driveway. You know that you're on a clock to get the job done when you go out like that. You're taking the vacation, the money that you spend, you, the, the pressure's on where, you know, you only have a certain window to be able to capitalize on a trophy of what you're hunting, whether it's whitetail or, for example, caribou like you. Um, you're in that window. So when you're on the last day, that that clock's ticking and you can feel the pressure. It's getting stressful. So it was around 11 o'clock. That buck ended up getting up from bedding down, came down, and I'm like, oh, my gosh, he's coming straight at me on a line. And there was a doe behind me. And he came in broadside 10 yards, and I'm sitting in this tree stand, and there was a Y. There was a trunk that came up in front of me that kind of provided me that cover, but there was a Y in it. And when you would stand up, the Y kind of broke off between, like, your belly button and your chest. So the way that, how close the deer was, he was only like 15 yards. To, to get that angle on the shot when you're at full draw, I stuck my bow out through that Y. And I was on my tippy toes when I was at full draw to be able to get that angle for you to be able to get that good shot. So he's dead, dead stop. I got him to stop, drew back. And when I let go of the release, the trigger on the release, it happened so fast. He jumped, and I looked down, and I'm like, "Oh my gosh! I don't, I don't even know if it hit him." And it, I mean, when when things happen like that, you know, for those who are listening, it, it just it happens so fast that there's like there's not time to think. 
So I'm grabbing another not, or air out of my quiver. That's uh, and I had it detached from my bow, hanging on a bow hanger, and I go to knock another arrow on my D loop, and my my cables are limp. And I'm like, oh my gosh, like what happened? And I look down, my hand's bloody, and I'm looking and like there's a chunk of arrow between the D loop and the rest that was just dangling. So, the, the the cables are off the cams, and I'm like, I'm done. There's nothing you can do. This deer, this deer continues to like make eye contact with me, and I'm I'm just looking at it, and I got my hands in the air, like I can't do anything. I'm like, you're helpless. Like you got you have you have what you know is an awesome buck that what 21 years of my life I'm dreaming of getting the opportunity to harvest something like that, and your your bow blows up on you essentially. So I get down out of the stand. Uh, my father comes and picks me up. I'm just, I'm beside myself. I was just, I'm done. And uh, dad took out his bow's backup bow. And uh, he shoots very similar poundage. His draw length's very similar to mine. And he said, look, he said, you got one afternoon left. You've waited 21 years to do this. You're getting back out in the stand. He goes, we're going to take the block. We're going to set up in a pasture. You're going to get a 20-yard pin down in, and you're making the best of the situation. And me beside myself, I'm just, I'm so checked out. I'm like sick over this. I was like done. I'm like, I'm ready to just go hop on my flight tomorrow morning down in Kansas City and just go back to North Carolina and just call it quits. You know, it just, it didn't work out. So I get in the stand there. I get his bow dialed in at 20 yards. And I, I'll never forget it. Um, I'm sitting in the stand. I, I had my bow up in the tree. I didn't even have an arrow knocked. I'm like, this, this just isn't happening. And uh, I'm, I remember just texting the boys in the group chat on my phone just how beside myself I am. And I hear I hear rustling coming, and about 40 yards out, here comes a doe moving in. And I look over, and behind him, he or behind her, he there's a buck coming in. And I was like, oh, boy, that's a good buck. So I'm like, <laughs> try slowly, you know, getting there. I'm knocking my bow now, making sure my release is tight. I'm like, oh, you know, there might be potential of something, something happening here. And uh, didn't she come in? She, they were at 40 yards, and I'll never forget, there was a pine tree right there, and there was an old scrape. He starts hoofing it, making a scrape, and I'm just watching all this go down. This doe's cutting into me, and I'm just telling myself, you know, I only have a 20-yard pin. You know, I need to be patient here. Uh, just let this all play out. There's no sense in rushing, in rushing a shot by any means. And uh, that doe started cutting back. He came into about 30 yards, and I'm like, you know, now's my time now or ever to be able to take a shot. It's the last day. And uh, didn't I end up hitting him? And we found him. We found him that night. And uh, he ended up scoring 160. It was he was 161. Uh, that that is a hunt that I will never forget. And you know when and not everybody has experienced it. And I hope that you don't. But the roller coaster of emotions in the matter of like eight hours, you you can't even explain it. And. You know, that's hunting in a nutshell. Anything can happen at any time. You know, you always have to expect the unexpected. And that just, my literally my first trip out of state, that, that experience alone, that's enough to fulfill a lifetime. So that, that, that there, that was, that was such an awesome experience, being able to go out there and just see the type of buck that are out there. It's just, it, it blows your mind. And, I mean, that's not on lease ground. That's not through an outfitter. That's on just private ground, like you going to your farmer, local farmer's door not, or knocking on the door and asking for permission. So that makes it all the more unique and, 
in, in more of an accomplishment in itself as well. So that's kind of that's my out of state story. You know, I have two points right now. Um, I don't think I'll be able to pull off drawing here in 23, but 24, it should be a walk for me to be able to draw again. But I mean, other than that, out of state, the only other place I've hunted out of state was in North Carolina. And uh, just kind of based off of where I was living down there, it was a challenge to hunt. Um, I was right beside Camp Lejeune. So, Skylar, you're, you're military. You're kind of familiar with that. It's right along the coast. Deer hunting's kind of tough. And the style of deer hunting down there is just completely different. Where, I mean, they run dogs for deer down there. And just the woods are so thick. They're, they're tough to hunt. And then on top of that, it's different, too, because you're allowed to bait. So, that's that was kind of a curveball in itself. And it, it, it was challenging. I mean, the public ground down there... When you're living beside a, a marine base that has 50,000 marines, you know there's a pile of them that have the same interest in hunting the way that you do. And just the pressure in the game lands and trying to hunt public, it was just so challenging that I, I just didn't do it. Um, now, met some awesome friends down there, and I, that's kind of where I got into waterfowl hunting was down there. And I actually I shot my first coyote down there too. So uh, I, I was big into predator hunting here in Pennsylvania, and that's something that I wanted to carry wherever I went. And... Uh, met friend that had property and uh, I was able to get my first coyote down there so that was that was awesome in itself to be able to do it away from home too that was it was pretty cool but that's kind of my experience out of state um, would I like to take more advantage of other opportunities out of state 100% and I mean I guess throwing that in I did talk about that earlier we did hunt Illinois there last year um, but that that was tough hunting it was early season it was hot blue tongue was hitting the deer population really hard and it was just it was it was a hard week of hunting, but I, I can't say enough about how great the lodge was, how great the hospitality was. It was just a rough week of hunting. But overall, that was an amazing experience in itself as well. All right, yeah. Going back to that Iowa story. So I've noticed this for myself. Is this a trend for you where, like, whenever you're, like, on a hunt, you you it's like when you think it's not going to happen, when it happens. Like, I know for me, like, on a uh, doll sheep hunt a couple years ago, I went from being weathered in a tent for like three days straight and I was ready to leave. And then I got coaxed up this mountain to go chase after sheep that were there a couple days earlier. I didn't, I didn't think anything was going to happen. I figured we were going to walk over there, get soaked because it was still storming, but we just figured mm -hmm. that we had to go do something. And then that night I ended up shooting a doll sheep. So, I mean, in my opinion, <clears throat> it all happens when it's least expected. And, there, when to me it's it's there's you being good at what you do and you being lucky i'd rather be lucky than good at what i do <laughs> yeah yeah it's and i mean that's it's just the way that it works out i mean that that fall that i shot that buck in iowa two weeks later i came home on thanksgiving break here in pennsylvania and i was like you know there was the opening of rifle season and everyone's like oh you got to get out you got to get out and i'm like you know i just came off a trip to iowa you know, we're not seeing any nice buck on, on our family property. I don't even know if I want to go. And wouldn't wouldn't it be that, that afternoon on the first day of rifle season, I shot a 140. So yeah. in the matter of two weeks, you're shooting a 160 and a 140. That's not skill. That's luck. And I'd rather be darn lucky than, than be good. Yeah, even, even last year, my archery season, uh, it was a pretty rough season for me. I know, like, the same day I shot my buck, it was the last day I was able to archery hunt that season. Just due to like the time change, I wouldn't be able to hunt with work. Doesn't that and, suck? I yeah, hate the time change. Get, that ticks me off so much. Whoever came up with that, like, abolish it. We need to start a <laughs> petition. But like, 
Yeah, I was like literally texting my cousin like, well, this year's going to be the first year I'm rifle hunting for a buck because I've never shot a buck with a rifle. Really? Really? Yeah, I didn't I've, know that about I've, you. I've shot like six or seven with a bow, never with a rifle. This year was the first year I had a buck tag in my pocket and rifle, but I didn't feel a buck tag at all. I didn't really have much time to hunt this year with a lot going on in my personal life and stuff. So, but yeah, um, and hopefully this year I'll tack caribou onto my archery list. That would be yeah, nice. for sure. That would be an awesome accomplishment. I'm, my, I'm jealous of that trip. That's my 2023 goal. Hopefully, I'm going on a caribou hunt. So, and I just found out that I can get certified to archery hunt in the state of Alaska. Really? So, so, so how does that work? So, in Alaska, you got to be you got to have like a certification. I think you can do like IBEP, and then there's like another one, National something Bow, whatever. But I found out that if you get certified through one of those foundations for the state of Pennsylvania, Alaska will accept that so i could legally go and take my bow up and then where i'm going to be hunting i'll probably take a rifle too but you're not going to be able to shoot with a rifle within five miles of the road only a bow huh that's interesting that's yeah that's like the five mile death march i've made that hike before <laughs> and it was rough didn't exactly know what i was doing then that was my first backcountry trip that was the worst one i've ever been on uh, didn't last very long. We literally got our five miles out and saw a bull, and then we're like, "Yeah, we don't really want to carry this out of here." Kind of sucked. But you know what? The, the the biggest thing and what it comes down to is it's all trial and error. And yeah, you know where I mean, whitetail hunting specifically for me. You know, I've had I have had my fair share of failures in the woods, and you know, you learn through trial and error. You know what you make your mistakes on, you pick up and you learn, and you make sure that you don't make them again, or you apply what you learn to prevent that from happening yeah. again. And that's that's what makes you a better outdoorsman. That's that's true. That's very true. Like, yeah, like my first, that caribou hunt in particular, I had like all canned food and stuff. The heaviest shit you could carry on your back. Like, stupid. Now I've got her dialed in. I take like freeze-dried mountain houses and stuff. Uh, definitely a lot smarter about it. I have more than a mosquito net for a tent. Yeah. You definitely learn. Uh how would you compare like whitetail hunting between Pennsylvania and Iowa? It's a whole nother ball game. It's like a whole nother breed of deer out there. And <laughs> and that's that's no joke at all. I mean, you know, I do think that with the antler restrictions here in Pennsylvania, the class of buck have have gotten better. And uh I'm, and I know that you can have that debate of of, you know, a meat hunter, a trophy hunter. But w- when you go out there, it's it's just it's it's so different because one they control the number of non-residents that can hunt in the state every year. So that relieves a lot of pressure and the number of hunters. And two, there's just flat out not as many hunters out there as there is in Pennsylvania. What, Pennsylvania is like the, it's like what the, how do I define it? It's like the third highest state per, for hunters per square mile in the United States or something like that. Whereas in Iowa, you don't, you're not, you're not getting into that like at, at all. So for example, you know, there's not an Allegheny County or a Delaware County out in Philadelphia in, in Iowa, you know, and it's, you got farms and fields. That's basically what it is. And uh, I, between that and I think the food sources play a huge deal as well, whereas, you know, you got your mountain buck in Pennsylvania where they're, they're not getting the, the corn and beans, you know, your, your meat and potatoes the way that these that these deer do in Iowa. I mean, it's all it's all corn and soybeans everywhere you go, you know, from, from my observations and from what I've seen. So I think between the pressure out there, the less number of hunters, how they control non-residents, and the food sources, that's why it's such a game changer out there. Yeah. 
I mean, uh, what do you think? What do you think, like, the Saturday opener's done in Pennsylvania as far as pressure here? Do you think that's up the pressure? Some people say that's down the pressure. They're trying to, like, bring back the Monday start day. You know what? <laughs> to be honest with you, this could be a, this topic here could be a podcast in itself. Yeah. It, it honestly could be. Yeah. Um, th- that, that could spark one heck of a debate. Um, m- me personally, I, I'm personally not a fan of rifle hunting, so however they want to do it, they can do it that way. Uh, I would. I'd rather get the job done on a buck in, in archery season, or, or even a doe in archery season, before gun. To me, you know, shooting a deer with a bow is is it's such. To me, it's more of an accomplishment. You know, you're you're using a stick and strings to to be able to to, to shoot a deer, for example. Whereas, you know, it's a, it's a little bit more automatic with a rifle. So, me personally, it doesn't bother me either way. Uh, I'm used to it being a tradition through like family. You know. And and I and I know it's like this with other families around too. You know, you take that weekend where you you have your Thanksgiving at home, and you're heading to camp after, and you're spending time with family friends up at camp, and then you hunt that Monday. Whereas now I feel okay. You have Thanksgiving on Thursday. You know, you don't ha- you don't have a lot of time before you're going up Saturday to rifle hunt. Um, has it benefited those who have to work that following Monday to get them into the woods? One hundred percent. So you know, for example. The way I put it, your typical blue-collar worker who has to work that Monday through Friday schedule, you know, that that helps get them into the woods more often for rifle season. And and I totally get that aspect, but I kind of look at it more from the family ritual side where, you know, growing up, you know, you, got, you made sure your stands were set that weekend, you were spending time with family that weekend, and then you'd go out that Monday and hunt. So that's kind of what I'm more accustomed to, but, I mean, does it affect me that much? No, not at all. Yeah, I mean, honestly, so here's kind of funny. I don't think my dad's ever shot a deer with a bow. Um, And you haven't shot one with a gun, or you haven't shot a buck with a gun. Yeah, and I mean, growing up, my parents never archery hunted or anything, and then how I actually got into it is because my dad was tired of taking me out in rifle season because of the weather, because the weather's always better in archery season. Oh, 100%. You know, you're dealing with between 50 and 70 degrees those first three weeks, whereas in in rifle season, you might be dealing with snow. I mean, my gosh, there, that, what was it? It was the... It was like the last week of rifle season this year. That was when we were getting that snow that was nasty. We were getting ice storms there, and it, it, the wind chill was super low. It, it was cold there that last week. Yeah, that was this, this year was rough for me. Honestly, I mean, I guess I did see one buck all season. It wasn't a rifle season; it was archery season. I had a nice buck at like a hundred yards. Uh, I could probably count on two hands how many times I was able to get out this year. So. That kind of sucked. That set me back as far as for this season. I really haven't gotten to do much. I did get out for a goose hunt with you guys. Uh, have to get out for another one here. I see you guys have been slaying some geese. Yeah, we've, we've been doing really well there. But, you know, going back to availability, it's tough. I mean, when you have, like, those th- first three, four weeks of archery season where, you know, you're in, and I, where I, between where I work and where I hunt, it's about a 45-minute drive. So, you know, you're trying to dash out of work at 4 o'clock to try to get in the stand before 5. You don't have a lot of time to get settled in for the evening without blowing out deer because, you're, you know, you're trying to get in off food plots there in the evenings. It, it, it's tough. It's challenging. And then especially there when the time clock changes, it's it's impossible. I, I just flat out can't get out. And then you're counting on trying to take advantage of weekends where you're only getting a Saturday. So it, availability, it, it does. It, it gets tough there once once the clocks change. But, um uh, 
anyways, getting, getting back to waterfowl, we've we've had a really good year. I think our bird count here with with our group that you jumped in and hunted with us here in Butler County, we're around 250 geese here this this year already. So we yeah, this is our best year to date. We started kind of tracking how we've been doing the last what we started two years ago. So between the last two years and this year, this has been our most successful year yet. Uh, we had one heck of a hunt there in early season. We shot 59 birds in one morning. Um, so that, that was, that was by far probably the highlight of my hunting season was that hunt with the boys. But, uh, that was, that was just insane. I, I've never experienced anything like that with the way that those birds were just piling in trying to feed. But, uh, yeah, so we, we've done, we've done a good job with, with goose hunting this year. And I mean, that's as a, as a whole with PA boys, that's not including the, uh, foul pounders group that we have up above interstate 80 there towards like Dubois, Sagertown area where, I mean, those guys, they're on a whole nother level. I was just going to ask about that. Are you keeping track of what all they got this year? I, I don't know a number of what they have, but uh, they're probably, I don't know. Honestly, and I don't want to sound crazy for saying it, but honestly, they're probably double what we are. That's, those that's- guys have the availability with being able to work shift work to be able to hunt during the week. So the advantage to them for taking the, taking the afternoon or midnight shift to be able to go out and hunt the next day where, you know, we're typical, you and I are like eight to four every day or seven to three or whatever it is where, you know, you don't, you, you can't get out like that. But I mean, what was it? It was a couple weeks ago. It was like over Christmas week. I mean, they were, they were shooting like five man limits of mallard, field mallards and geese all in one morning. They've shot, I think, two or three Jack Minor bands this year already. I mean, their, their band count, it's, it's, it's super high this year. They've had They've had a really good year, but I think one thing that we have noticed here the last couple of weeks is that we've had trouble trying to find birds. Um, I know down here, especially in Butler County, it's been it's been a big challenge trying to find birds, um, and I know that they've they've been having a little bit of trouble up there. Um, I don't know if it's the weather. I, I don't I don't have the knowledge about waterfowl enough. That's another podcast with one of them boys. Uh, I'm still trying to learn the tricks to the trade with that. But, uh, I mean, just me personally driving around scouting, I, I'm not seeing birds the way that we are right now. And I'm not sure if it's because the weather's been so bipolar where Christmas break, it was, what, like zero degrees and the wind chill was a negative factor. And then it was up in the 40s and 50s area around New Year's to where, you know, now it's finally starting to get cold again. It's like the weather's just, it's so bipolar. And I don't, I, I don't know enough to say that it's affecting migration, but... You can definitely tell that something's off. We just can't figure it out. And, I mean, maybe it is just us where, you know, as you're driving around trying to scout and you know where, you know, those frequent or popular local feeds are in the fields where they're just not at right now. So maybe it's us where, you know, they're landing in places that we have no clue about. That could also be it too. But um, it's it's, so far it's been been a good waterfowl season. It really has. Yeah, I'd have – my guess on that would be, well, we had enough ice there on some lakes that I seen people were ice fishing and stuff out at like Harbor Acres and whatnot. And yeah, like, one of our staff guys was Brandon Stam was out there. He was he was pulling trout out of Harbor yeah. Acres. I feel like I feel like once the water freezes, the waterfowl kind of start moving down. I imagine that's probably played a big effect in that. I know, like we have a duck farm out here, and you got to keep the water open for them, or else they're not having fun. But they'll be happy as long as there's open water for them to yep, swim in that's exactly it all right so while we're on the topic of waterfowl is there like any calls or anything that you like or recommend so i i'm not going to get into too much of depth here just because i personally suck at calling but uh that i i am very fond of a specific call that we use um so we uh we have a kind of a partnership going with hannah and sons uh hannah and sons.com check them out uh the links on their instagram but uh 
they reached out to us and asked us for for them to test for us to test out their uh, goose and duck calls, and uh, they have it's it's a wooden barreled goose call, and they sound great. It's a super deep throaty sound, which I like. It doesn't take a lot of air, and it, it sounds great. I, I I remember getting it in. You were actually on the hunt whenever I brought it for the first time, and we had some yeah. of the guys try it. And they were huge fans of it. And uh, we're actually, they're shipping out five of them that we bought. Um, I just actually got in one of our other guys. I sent them their address for them to send them on down. But uh, they're they're great sounding goose calls. Um, I have, they sent me a duck call that I'm still yet to try. I haven't really got the opportunity to go out to the swamp much. But uh, they also, they, they sell grunt calls too. And their grunt calls actually sound really good. I had that around my neck all fall. So Jeez. I'm a big fan of them too. Um, something else to look forward to from them is they're actually, they're coming out with a line of polycarbonate goose calls too. So I'm really excited to see how they sound as well. But uh, it's a great company. They're local. They're a small business. They're from Seneca, PA, uh, just north of Butler County. I think Seneca's in Clarion, I think. It's up around Interstate 80. Yeah, I'm not too sure where that's at. But uh, I know they're not they're not too far of a hop away. But uh, they're they're good dudes. Um, they 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 treat us super well. They they make sure that they take time into making quality calls that sound good. And uh, I can't I honestly can't say anything bad about them. It's we uh, that that was a great partnership that that we started there, and we have them on our lanyards moving forward. They they sound great. Did you hear? Did you hear that on that hunt, that goose hunt? Did you hear that call that I had with me, that wooden one? No, it was awful. <laughs> like I paid. Like was that eight. user error? Was that the call? No, someone that knows how to call tried to blow into it too. They said it was pretty bad. So it wasn't user error. Wasn't user error. <laughs> so I might really like secretly be good at blowing a goose call. I just don't know because I got a crappy call. Hey, you just got to come with us and try. That's what it comes down to. Yeah, I have to give that uh, give them calls there a try. You can't get stage fright either. The funniest thing is I suck at calling the boys. Like you ain't gonna, you're not gonna get good if you don't try. And they always egg me on there in the layouts and in the a frames to blow my goose call and I'm like I got stage fright and I'm like I can't do it I got stage fright <laughs> that's that's like the ongoing joke but uh so yeah that's that's that I, I personally really like their calls so make sure that you that for those that you were listening check out Hannah and Sons it's a good local company they make good sounding calls they're 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 small and they're growing and they're definitely they got good things and they're going in the right direction for sure yeah yeah that's I'll have to check them out for sure I haven't looked at any of their stuff probably buy a grunt call i think i need to get a new grunt call for sure uh, i know i had trouble this year with like my reed sticking really bad and it makes a god awful noise so i'm sure that probably doesn't help my deer hunting situation whenever I'll, I'll, here's a funny story with grunt calls now that we're kind of on the topic when when i was in high school and i wasn't able to hunt by myself you know you had to have an adult take you uh, my father works in Pittsburgh there, so it's an hour home. He wasn't able to take me when the clocks would change, so my grandfather would take me. And uh, I was young enough still to where I wasn't able to shoot a bow yet. I was just going to tag along to get the experience. And he he calls when he always called when he would blow on a grunt call. He'd call it honking. I'd, I'd let me get my honker out, and <laughs> it'd be the funniest thing. He would blow through that grunt call the wrong direction. Oh and it made the most god awful sound. And, and and you know what? These are the memories that you'll look back on that you'll savor forever. But you're looking there, and it's like, 
Pow, what are you doing? <laughs> I'm blowing the honker. No, it's not a honker. It's a grunt call. It's just that that there, That's that's. it was just too funny, and that's something that I'll, I'll never forget. I'm going to get my honker out, and I'm going to blow on it through the wrong end. Yeah, let's honk in some deers, Pat. And I'd sit there, and I'd flip it, like, here, blow it this way. And I'm like, that's how it should sound. <laughs> yeah, I've got some uh, pretty interesting memories from hunting with my dad. So he's not the most quiet person in the woods. My mom would actually complain about hunting with him too. He'll just like, you'll be sitting there waiting for something to come along. He'll pull out his, uh, oh, what do you call it? A handkerchief and just <laughs> blow his nose. <laughs> it's like nuts. a deer snorting. Yeah. I remember, I remember turkey hunting one time. We were sitting in the blind and he sneezed and a turkey gobbled back at us. And I yelled at him like as a little kid, like I'm like 12 and I'm yelling at him to be quiet. He's like, get gobbled back. I was like, I don't care if you sneezed and Morgan Freeman gobbled at you. Like, (laughs) keep her down. Yeah, those are memories that, that, you know, that you'll cherish. And and that's what hunting's all about, being able to get memories. I mean, not just for yourself and what you experience, but being able to spend time with those that you love too. That's, that's just, that's, that's just priceless. Those are like the golden days. I remember... Actually, as like a mentored youth hunter, he used to like go sit up behind my house with my dad, and I'd get cold, and I'd tell him I needed to come back to the house to go uh, go take a crap, and I would actually come back here and hop into bed for like an hour and warm up, and then <laughs> back. That's fine. I can't say that I've done that. I can't say that I've done that. Now, so here here's here's a good take, and uh, I don't think that it gets talked about a lot, but. One of my bad habits is being on my phone in the tree stand. Oh, absolutely. Me too. Yeah, that's like, how I kill time. I'm like, you know, if, if there's if there's any reason for me to get busted while I'm hunting, it's because I'm playing on my phone or trying to take videos or, or something along those lines. And it's like, damn, you know, you're not, you're not paying attention to what's going on around you. And you sit there and you look back. It's like, how many deer could I have possibly seen if I wasn't on my phone? Oh, yeah. So... That's actually funny. That brings me to a story from uh, flintlock hunting this year. Um, so you saw that I shot a little doe. The same day I shot that, earlier in the day, I was sitting on the stump up on a hill, and I'm watching Facebook reels. And I turned down the volume, like, quietly. But I'm sitting there, and I I don't know what was going on with this one deer that was, like, right down over the hill, and I didn't know it was there. I did swear I could smell like a deer. Like, I... I normally don't smell them. I don't have like a good nose, but just something like I was like, hmm, something smells kind of like deerish. And I'm sitting there watching. I think it's Steve Harvey, a reel with Steve Harvey. And all of a sudden, I hear this doe blow and see it come taking off. That thing had to have been within 20 yards of me, and I never knew it was there. I wasn't in a stand. If I was in a stand, I'd have been able to see it clear as day. But it was just behind a bush, and I was like, wow, that kind of kind of sucks. It makes you wonder, though. And I mean, on top of distractions while you're hunting filming that that there this year i tried to really begin to try to film and for those that self-film you kind of know the struggle but self-filming is hard man it it really is and you know there was times this year where it's like am i really going to try to pull off filming and and not getting busted to pull or to shoot a buck or am i just going to say the heck with the camera i'm going to throw the camera arm to the side just make sure that i get the job done and uh, it's it's tough. It is very very hard. People do not realize how challenging it is. And uh, I mean, for for those that are listening, if you have any suggestions or any recommendations of how you manage being able to pull off successful self filmed hunts, please message us because I think that'd be an awesome awesome learning experience for all of us is, is how how you can successfully do that because it is a challenge. Yeah, that's 
I think what we need to do, here's a smart idea, like for at least like the local guys. So I know I have a saddle. Uh, Hunter Smith just got a saddle. What we need to do is like get it done like the first day of archery season. And then since we have saddles, like go join other people and hunt with them. Because you wouldn't need like a two-man stand. I could just climb up a tree next to you and like watch the whole thing and film it. And you know what though? That's the hardest thing though is because it's like, hey, let's team up and film. Well, I'll tell you what, if I don't if I don't have a buck down yet, I know what my focus is. I'm yeah. going to try to get a deer down, you know what I mean? So it's, it's tough because, you know, everybody wants to be able to get in the woods. Everybody wants to get a buck or a doe or whatever they're desiring to shoot, whether big, small, tall, small, whatever. But, you know, everybody wants to be able to go hunt. And you really can't, unless you're self-filming, you got to find somebody that, like, doesn't have an interest in, in, in hunting to be able to come film, and that's tough. Yeah, just wants to come sit out in the cold just to take a video <laughs> and how many people are you going to find that actually want to do that too yeah probably not too many might have to pay someone for that it's tough it's tough so what's interesting is is i'm, I'm a big fan of watching midwest whitetail mm-hmm. um i love following them watching their hunts on on youtube um they kind of hunt iowa the same way that we do and uh i i'm like how the heck do they manage getting like in general in the hunting industry how how do these people pull off being able to get filmers like that and I was watching a Midwest Whitetail episode, and at the end, there was a production company that they use and pay to come film. So I looked them up. They are interns that are into this as their career, that they will grab lodge, house, and they film for the entire fall, winter, whatever the season is. I'm like, well, that's an interesting take. Now, given, you know, us, us Western PA boys, you know, we're not at the point where we can afford trying to pull something like that off. But to get an understanding of how the hunting, hunting industry works and how they pull off getting people like that, that's it. Like, the perfect example is Michael Waddell. When Michael Waddell joined Realtree, he was a cameraman off the bat. He wasn't in, he didn't join Bill Jordan's Realtree to hunt. He was the man behind the camera for years until he was able to get the opportunity to get his own show and start Bone Collector. So a lot of these guys who are big in the hunting industry now that have their own shows, they started behind the camera. And I never realized that until recently. Yeah, I've actually, uh, I met Michael Waddell whenever I was a kid at the uh, Field and Stream opening there in Cranberry. Oh, he came to that? Yeah, uh, so Nick Munt and T-Bone were there too. And you know what, speaking of T-Bone, how sad is that with him, him getting cancer and... And, and what he's gone through in the last year. You know, prayers to you, T-Bone. I love watching your stuff. Yeah, but he's, 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 he's an absolute character. He's a hoot. He, uh, he has an awesome personality. That's one of the guys that, you know, I looked up to hunting growing up where it's like, this guy's cool. I'd love to be him one day. Right. So that's, that's someone that I idolized. And, I mean, hey, prayers up to T-Bone. He's a, he's a heck of a dude. I'd personally, I'd love to meet him in person. But, uh. For him to get through what he's gone through the last year, he actually just shot a nice buck on his Georgia farm here a couple weeks ago. And uh, for him to be able to go through what he's done and still being able to be successful and and taking advantage of you know what life throws at you and being able to hunt, all the props to him in the world. I will say those are like some of the nicest guys you'll ever meet too. Like uh, for the whole five minutes, I got to like have a little meet and greet with them. They were like thanking my mom for bringing me out and stuff and. I got a couple pictures with them. And, and you know what, though? That's, that's what the hunting industry needs. It, today, it feels to me where it's such a dog-eat-dog world. Yeah. Where, and I'm, I'm not dropping into specifics of people, but you can tell watching people and, and seeing them at outdoor shows and, and the way that they post. The people who, you know, don't have time for other outdoorsmen because they think that they're on a pedestal. 
And at the end of the day, I truly believe that there's not one outdoorsman that's better than the other. I, I, I truly I believe that. You. Yeah, we're all, it's all the same team, in all honesty. And I mean, it's really, you don't even have to look at it as like team versus anything wise. I mean, it's not about that. Like, whenever I go on some of these hunts in Alaska and whatnot, uh, we don't always kill an animal. That doesn't bother me. It's We call it hiking with a rifle. It's just about getting out there and having a blast. Exactly, and that's kind of circling back to the whole PA boys route. I think that's where we want to try, and, and I'm not saying that we're trying to change the game whenever it comes to that approach in, in this topic, but you know, we're here and we want to help share what we've gone through in our experiences to help make someone better. You know, somebody has a question and messages us, if I don't have the answer, I'm sending them to one of the staff guys for the answer that has maybe had that experience that could provide help. Um, there's so many hunting pages and forums on Facebook today, and I'm sure that those who are listening are follow them or joined with them. And people ask the simplest question, like someone's just getting into archery hunting, and it's like, okay, you know, how, how do I – the question might be, you know, here, here's – a screenshot of a parcel of ground I'm hunting, you know, I think there's a pinch point here. Where do you recommend a stand? And there's so many just put down comments. And mm-hmm. the shame of it is, is that we shouldn't be driving people to not get outside and hunt. You know, it's, it, to me, hunting's beginning to die out. I personally feel that locally, there's not, there, the, the number of hunters that, I mean, from my dad's age to now, I feel like it's dropped a lot. And I mean, it's just the people be people get in that type of attitude where they, they try to deter you and especially people who are trying to just start out and figure out how to hunt that might not have had the help and have learned through mentors peers family where they're just starting on their end because they have interest in it and they want to try it they need that help and when you ask a question to me there's no such thing as a stupid question and there's all these just put down comments and to me, that that's just that's not right. You know, yeah, every outdoorsman should be willing to help the, the other person succeed, and that's just I think that that's something through PA boys that I feel that we can try to help change, and and help out those who might be trying something new. Like me personally, I was never into water about foul before, or even predator hunting. A couple of years when I tried getting into that and starting out, I'd ask those questions, and you know, you get the put down comments, but you know, there there are good people out there that are willing to help. It just Sometimes it's a struggle to get through that barrier to find those good people that are willing to help. Yeah, that sucks whenever you, like, get into those group pages on Facebook and you see someone ask a question and they just get blown up. Like, I will not even, I will not post on group pages on social media for that reason just because there's always going to be negative comments. And instead of that, like, you should be lifting each other up. We were all amateurs at this at one point, whether you were 12 or 20, whenever that happened. It doesn't even make 40 it, now. Yeah, I mean. yeah. It's, it's, it is nuts, and it's kind of sad. And, I mean, one thing that we're really good with is that we have those staff members that come from all different backgrounds, different walks of life, different kinds of hunting. It's just, you know, we're all over the board. We got the game, I think, pretty much covered honestly i think we do i mean i think our biggest gap was trapping there and we just added logan and 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 i mean logan just was sending us pictures of beavers and he's offering now doing tutorials on how he's setting traps and how he scouts for what for what he's trying to catch and i mean i think that was one of our biggest gaps and and logan's really helping fill that void 
Yeah, I'd have, I'd have to agree because I don't think other than him I've ever really seen anyone trap anything. I mean, I've dabbled in trapping myself and been successful, but by no means should I be giving anyone advice on it. Uh, yeah, that's that's actually – I didn't even think of that. Yeah, that is a big void we had. Uh, we got quite a few people that fish. I know you got Dylan that does the steelhead yep. a lot. Stam with, with walleye. Yeah. He's another one. Up there, pima tuning. Nate Fretz with catfishing. He was dropping catfish videos of how he was making his own uh, the, sinkers yeah. and and uh, how he was setting up his catfish bait. He he was doing some videos for us. Um, I, I definitely think moving forward that the tips and tricks style videos, that's, that's, that's kind of, I think that's what benefits us the most with growth, number one, but also helping other people's, you know. Like I said, hopefully someone somewhere out there learned something from what we share. Because I tell you what, I, I learned myself. Yeah, I, I do too, honestly. Like, So, talking about tips and tricks videos, we've tried doing like the shorter tips and tricks on like reels and TikToks and whatnot. Or are you still having problems with TikTok blocking you because it's a hunting page? Oh, don't even get me started on that. that oh. <laughs> so... <laughs> Yeah, I've gotten a few warnings, and I mean, it's ever it's ever the craziest things too. Like, and for those that have TikTok, which I think just about every American uses TikTok at this oh, yeah, point, absolutely. There are some things on there that are very, very questionable, and I won't get into detail. That's okay to post, but gosh forbid you post a video hunting wise where you have something that might be dead. Yeah. For example, that just gets blocked out and shut down but, immediately. Yeah, well, what's funny is here, uh, like New Year's. Uh, my girlfriend posted a video, and there was a she was fishing and caught like this little foot long shark, and she had a picture of that on there. And they removed the video because they said that's like a dangerous activity. But then you see some screwed up stuff on there. Yeah, I do. I mean, it's okay to not wear clothes, but you can't you can't post a picture of a shark, huh? Yeah. yeah <laughs> so it's that's... yeah, that's just hey. I mean, if that's the way that they want to roll, then you have to adapt and. It's that's that's a challenge in itself because I mean, as an outdoorsman, I enjoy seeing the videos of a deer at thirty yards, a big buck that's that has an arrow with the luminoc lit up, launched towards it, for example. And you can't, you just can't get that on TikTok. So, I mean, for us outdoorsmen, I don't know necessarily know if TikTok's the answer for that type of stuff. I mean, it's cool to see scouting videos, the tips and tricks like what we do, where you know can't have a weapon in it, can't have anything dead or caught. But um, that, I think that's where the Instagram reels and the YouTube shorts and the Facebook reels really help us out is to be able to share that type of stuff. I mean, me personally, you know, you, you, watch, you watch a YouTube video for a 30-minute hunt, for example, and it could be anything. It could be a, stock, or a spot and stock on an elk to a person in a deer stand archery hunting. And it's like, all right, you know, it's, it's a great background story, but cut to the chase. I want to see the action. I want to see the shot. I want to see the recovery. And that, that to me, that's what piques my interest. When, when I watch videos like that, I fast forward halfway through it to get to the good part. <laughs> so, I mean, that's, that's, I mean, you can't necessarily do that on TikTok, obviously. But I think that's where you can take the advantage of using a YouTube, using an Instagram, using a Facebook, until that gets censored, too. Yeah, right now, I mean, right now they let you post stuff i mean uh i've seen some very questionable stuff on instagram uh that's for sure especially in the uh, nudity category i don't know why that's popping up on my phone uh whoever the heck censoring tiktok you need to rethink some things it's all it's all based off algorithms and yeah. censorship but 
It is what it is. You just got to find a way to adapt, and, and and once you find what works, you got to roll with it. That's what that's what it comes down to. Yeah, what's offending people? <laughs> so shifting back to like the uh, the group focus here, what are your goals for this year? It is freshly 2023. Do you have any big hopes? Yeah, so I actually I dropped that question to the staff this week. I said I'd like to get everybody together, and I want to come up with just a list of goals, short-term, long-term, and uh, we'll see what, what we believe is reasonable and, and what's not, and we'll go after it. And uh, some of the goals that, that I personally have in mind that I, I still we still need to review as a whole, and I mean, what, we're only in the second week of January, so it's not like we're behind by any means. But uh, getting back out to that Central Pennsylvania Outdoor Show in Clearfield, that's that's a big hitter's returning to that again. Um, I definitely think that there's opportunity to up the game with filming and trying to get some of those longer hunts rather than the short reels, uh, learning how to, to film the right way, get the B footage, uh, that whole editing side of it, which, I mean, that's a challenge. So there's, there's definitely needs – we'll work on trying to get some effort on that end. But getting those bigger videos, taking advantage of YouTube, I think that anybody I talk to, we we agree that uh, the way for growth is through YouTube. It it really is. Um, obviously, Instagram's where we get our most growth right now, and it, I mean to me, it seems like that's the most popular app. It, to me, over the last couple of years, it definitely seems like Instagram has outgrown Facebook, and I mean Twitter's kind of used for other things, not really outdoor related, but. We do have some success on there too, but definitely YouTube's the focus where we try to get those, those, those hunts where you know, try to self film. And to me, waterfall hunting seems to be the easiest thing to film, as long as you got that person there that's willing to film. But uh, filming's definitely something that I want to focus in on. Um, continuing to work on uh, apparel. That's a, that's another big one. Um, I tell you what, apparel got knocked out of the park this last time. Yeah, we did really good, and the biggest challenge there was just with supply chain and the and the cost of everything going up. Um, our our the last hoodies that we that we did, we're I mean, we're not we're not we're, we're breaking even on them. It's not like we're making any money on them at all. Um, that's just you know we looked at it as that's that's just a good way of trying to get the name out there. Yeah, we're not we're not trying to make money. Yeah, no, not yeah. at all, not it's, at all. We're just trying to break even and spread the the name of PA Boys and. And and uh, just from that side, and I mean, hey, everybody that wears a, a hoodie, that's that's a free billboard. Yeah, I mean, so if you're uh, listening to this and you don't follow us on Instagram, follow that for whenever we do sell merch that comes occasionally at PA Boys Outdoors. But um, yeah, I mean, that's just that's the biggest trouble right now. And I mean, we've been wanting to do hats. We did hats there last year, but there's still, I mean, it's just the supply chain shortages. You can't get the colors that you want. You can't get the specific hat that you want. Um, it, there's just there's a big challenge with it right now, and on top of that, inflation. It's it's tough. I mean, the hoodies that we just moved, they're forty dollars. I mean, you could go into Dick's and buy an Under Armour hoodie for fifty. You're gonna buy a PA Boys hoodie or an Under Armour hoodie. It's just it's tough. And I mean, you, we we try as hard as we can to get prices to be as reasonable as possible. It's not like we're trying to scalp you by any means, but you know we want to get the name out there. And, and it's it's frustrating that the costs are the way that they are. But I mean, what do you to do in today's day and age when that's that's the way the economy's going. That's yeah, everything's going up. It sucks. That's for sure. But um, just kind of touching back on some other goals. So we talked about the growth with film. We talked about getting back to that outdoor show. Uh, me personally, I'd like to try to get to a couple other outdoor shows this year too. Um, you know, with, with kind of adding new people to the staff and getting a larger bandwidth, more firepower. I definitely think that we're capable of doing more. Um, 
hopefully all stars align and that we are able to take advantage more. And it kind of goes back to the last couple of years where we were getting a lot of our growth. You know, it was COVID where you weren't able to get a lot of that in-person in, in interaction, face-to-face interaction. And uh, now that things seem to kind of be getting back to the normal again, I think now's our opportunity to take advantage of what's going on in person and to get ourselves out there. Um, I want my goal. I shouldn't say I want. My goal is is that I want people to be able to put our faces to the name. That's 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 what I want. Mm-hmm. And I think by doing that, yes, it's great that you know we take advantage of social media the way that we do. But if there if there's a way too that we can get out in person, be able to meet people, talk, share these stories, share our knowledge that would help with growth as well. So I think that's something that we definitely need to focus on this year's. How can we get out in person more, have those face-to-face interactions with people? Absolutely. I know that last outdoor show we did, that was a blast, interacting with people. Oh, it was. I, I never I, I, I never imagined I, I just the way that great. all that went down. It was perfect. That, that weekend was so fun. That was one of the most fun weekends I had in 2022. That, yeah. was, that was an absolute blast. Just... Having just people come up and talk to you and be able to talk about hunting and, and being able to interact with others and hear their stories and and, ha- and be able to field their questions and just be able to have those hunting conversations. that I, I love it. I, I, I'll talk hunting all day, every day. And uh, to just have people come up and, and engage with you and, and generate those conversations, it was, it was just sweet. It, it, was, was awesome. it was a blast even to be like at the hotel talking to those other guys that were there with their brands. And yeah, so, so basically, and kind of going into story time again, uh, we decided to get a hotel out there. So we stayed on a hotel for the weekend there for, in, in Clearfield. And uh, a lot of these vendors that were coming in were also staying in the same hotel. So we'd go down in the lobby and get a case of beer, go down there and just hang out. And, oh, my gosh, I mean, the stories that we heard, and it was it was just – it was so fun. We had that fishing lore guy there, and, oh, I mean, yeah. I, can't, I, was... I can't tell you how many times I cried <laughs> laughing so hard. Wait. And then we had – um. Oh, what's, we, what's we, the name of it? Uh, it was the it was the protein company. The mineral. Dude. It was the mineral. It, it was a. It was the. Um, was it wildlife? I have a card. Wild, that, was it wildlife genetics? It might be. I have I have his card down in my bedroom. That, that he was he was awesome dude. Yeah. He was he was awesome, and for him to kind of explain the science behind him doing what he's doing with mineral mix, that guy believes in what he's doing. But you know what? To be a businessman, you have to believe in your product and, and what you have. And I tell you what, that I and I I can't. It kills me that I can't think well, the name off the top of my head right now. Whenever I do the outro, I'll have the name for it. I'll give that guy a shout out because that is a stand up guy. He's very personable. Great stands behind his product a hundred percent. He he just he had it together. He was awesome. Yeah, I think he's ex military. Forget genetics. Forget genetics. I'm pretty sure that's it. I'm looking it up on Instagram right now. I'm pretty sure it's Forget Genetics. Forget Genetics. That's the name of it. Yep. It's right here. He uh it's 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 veteran owned. He uh he had some awesome military stories. Yeah. He uh he he was an awesome dude. They make trace minerals, attractants, amplifiers, bone infusers. That guy believed in his product. He was he was awesome. It was I had such an awesome, it was such an enjoyable conversation. And uh, I think that was something new for us, too, because it's not like we were really, it's not like we've ever really engaged with the hunting industry. Mm -hmm. And that was kind of the first time I really got to engage with people who travel to these shows and believe in their product. And this is their their livelihood. This is their business. 
and uh, for them to show their passion for what they have and to kind of see the other side of hunting. Like, it's one thing to go in the woods and hunt and take your pictures and videos, but the hunting industry is the whole, it's, it's just, it's a whole nother ball game. And I think it was good for all of us that were there that night to kind of get the exposure of how these guys get by, how they line up the shows, how they believe and test their products and how they market it. It was it was impressive. That was that it, was an awesome it, evening. It really was. It was awesome to be on a personable level with those people behind brands that you see and hang out with them and get rowdy and get kicked out of the hotel lobby <laughs> and have that was that was fun have a uh, person that is not a pa boy but i'm not going to mention his name screaming at this lady <laughs> telling her to shut up as we're trying to find his hotel room because he was too uh impaired by alcohol to uh, that was that was a blast though that, that was, was that was so much fun and I mean, on top of that, even that weekend with the seminars too, that was awesome being able to watch Ben and Charlie do those seminars. Yeah. Um, you know, I remember I remember trying to talk them into it, and Charlie was like, you know, I'll give it a go. And and, and Ben was wishy-washy about it. He's, I don't think he's really done public speaking before. And I tell you what, I can't be more proud of him. He, went, he walked up there, and he knocked it out of the park. Yeah. And I, We have Jerry too. Jerry was another one. Jerry, his... His whole demo with with how he uses calls and it, it, how he just approaches coyote hunting is just unreal. Did you actually know it was? I think two months ago he shot his 100th coyote. Oh my word! And I mean this, and I tell you what, we got to get Jerry on for a podcast. Jerry's Jerry's awesome. He, his stories are awesome. He's down to earth. He's one of the nicest guys that you could meet. That man, any question that you have, he's. He'll take a phone call at any time. He's he's just he's there. He he knows what he's doing. He's 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 awesome. I I can't I can't speak any more highly of him. He's 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 a great guy. He was an awesome add to the staff. And I mean, the way that he the way that he handled himself in his seminar, it was so professional. He explained things and was able to relate to people. Um, the, he fielded the questions that 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 were good questions and answered them the right way. He just he knocked it out of the park. He really did. Yeah, I would have to say he's done that quite a few times. Oh, he has. He definitely has. And uh, I we we get we actually we get predator hunting questions frequently messaged into the PA boys, and I I I, I refer them to Jerry to answer the questions. And I keep telling people, you know, I got to get Jerry on for. An Instagram live or a podcast. I got to do it. I got to do it. I think now, now that we're kind of getting these podcasts kicked He'd off, you'd be a good one. Now you that, could probably have a couple episodes with on, him. On, you, you really could. And I mean, between him and some of the connections that he knows that we could get on this, it, it those would be some awesome episodes. Yeah, that's for sure. Just the networking that we've been able to accomplish here, is and that's great. that's another thing too. And I think that should be another goal for this year's. You know, continue to network and uh, try to try to branch out and and reach out to new people and create new relationships yeah so this is like our next step in it too this is stepping onto a new platform for us so and i'm I'm excited to talk to all these guys get to know everybody i'll be lucky enough to do so i can't i can't wait to see how this goes i definitely think that this is a new horizon for us and there's awesome opportunity here and uh I definitely think now that we now now that we're getting the ball rolling here, this is our first episode. Um, hopefully, all these episodes continue to get more popular and popular after me. So, I'm not saying that I'm setting the baseline very high here, but uh, 
it, it's been it's been a pleasure to kind of share PA Boys and who I am and how it was created and and what we do and the directions that we go. I honestly believe that with the group that we have right now and the way that we continue to grow, we can become the premier hunting group in Pennsylvania. I truly do believe that. And that's your goal. That's the goal. That is 100% the goal. The dream. All right. So I think we've reached our time here. Is there anything else you would like to add? Um, I, I don't think so. I mean, for those who follow us, thank you so much. I, I, I can't be more appreciative of, of you following us, uh, supporting us. Um, we'll continue to share what we have going on here, not just from the podcast side, but through apparel, through where we're going to events at, through giveaways. So just keep paying attention. We got some awesome stuff up our sleeves for this year. And uh, like I said, I just I can't be more grateful. I never imagined this growing to what it would be. Um, the people that we've met, it's it's been great. So for those that are listening, thank you for listening to me, taking an hour of your time to listen to me babble on. But uh, until next time, Skylar, thanks again for kind of spearheading this whole podcast operation. And uh, Happy New Year's to everybody. It's a pleasure. Before we uh, go here, Hunter, real quick, um, so this is something we're going to do at the end of our podcast. Give us some words of the week. Never stop grinding. Never stop grinding. There you have it. All right, guys, that sums up our episode for this week. Thank you guys for listening. I apologize for the poor audio quality. There was a technical difficulty. Me and Hunter had to share a mic for the recording of that, but that issue has been resolved for the episodes that are to come. If you'd like, feel free to go check us out on social media, Facebook or Instagram at PA Boys Outdoors. Also, feel free to shoot us a message if you have any questions or if there's anything you'd like to hear us talk about. Till next time.